0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blob Talk Radio. And good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Jets Podcast Review Show on 247sports.com. The New York Jets on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, some... <laughs> Well, that game was a game where, sadly, the New York Jets just couldn't get anything right, even though they were in the game, lose it by a final of 37-17. to Along with Rick Lachland, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. And Rick, you know, this game where, give credit to the Jets staying alive on defense. They, they tried their best the defense to keep this game alive for the offense to try and do something. But unfortunately, just not enough plays, too many penalties, too many injuries before and during the game, and the Jets now are 3-4. and four.
0: And the Jets did a lot of what we expected offensively. They did, to some degree, stick with the running game, even though it wasn't necessarily a bruising ground-and-pound type of performance. But nonetheless, they stuck with it in the second half. You saw Sam Darnold understanding that he was down. Of course, Terrell Pryor being released, which was somewhat of a surprising move. One I felt that they should not have made, especially given the fact that they said he could be back in as little as two weeks. He's a player that single-handedly could help them inside the red zone. But nonetheless, he was released. Of course, the injury to Quincy Anunua. You're only down to essentially Jerome Peake. You have Robbie Anderson as well as Jermaine Curse, And Robbie Anderson, it's a strange stat, but he was the only wide receiver to catch a pass in this game. I mean, Jermaine Curse was hardly even targeted. There were drop balls all over the field. And you're starting to see uh, Chris Herndon and Sam Darnold, of course, on that touchdown. They're starting to make a connection, and he's starting to emerge as a top target in the passing game. And while Darnold did a great job of spreading the ball around, using all tight ends, using his halfbacks in the passing game. I just felt there were far too many drop passes by the wide receivers. Sam Darnold, if he's shown one thing over the course of his young career, maybe that's just a product of being a young quarterback. When things get tough, he tends to try to force the issue, try to fit a couple balls into tight spots that were intercepted. And, you know, that was pretty much all she wrote. You know, you have a razor-thin margin against a team like the Minnesota Vikings that are a Super Bowl contending team. When you commit turnovers – four of them in effect, three interceptions and a fumble, and you have all the miscues and sloppy plays that we saw from the Jets, it's almost miraculous that at halftime this game was only 10-7 because it could have been very easily uh, a 21-7 to game if a couple of balls bounced in the Vikings' favor. And even while the Jets were still in this into the third quarter in the early stages of the fourth quarter, they just couldn't correct some of those mistakes that came back to just nip them in the butt time and time again. And I'm not going to say I didn't expect this. I think mean, you and I both understood this was a tall challenge. The Jets were, of course, underdogs in this game. And given the, hit, the injury that just hit this ball club this week, it wasn't a shot that the Jets went out losing. But if you're a Jet fan, you have to feel at least slightly frustrated because the Jets, these wounds were all self-inflicted. And this could have been a toss-up game in the fourth quarter that the ball bounces in one direction or the other. The Jets had a chance to win this game.
1: You know what really bothers me, though, Rick, and that's the start of this game. Because, you know, you want to have a key start. You want a solid start to get ready for a big, big matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. And it all got started on the kickoff. How is it that on the kickoff, the kicking team is offside? How do you give up a five-yard offside penalty when you're kicking off to the Vikings? You, you know, the, you win the toss, you defer Uh, you know, you defer to put your defense out there. And the already special teams has put you behind the eight ball for a five yard uh, offside flag. And then, you know, Middleton, Doug Middleton, you know, you gotta be very careful these days now because you can't lower your head anymore to initiate contact on a tackle or to take the opposition's uh, offensive player down. You cannot put yourself behind the eight ball Right off the bat, not just not to be offside on a kick on a kickoff, but you can't lower your head anymore. You cannot lower your head and have the crown of your helmet take down uh, the guy. You got to tackle to make sure that he doesn't get a first down or a touchdown. And the Jets already committed 20 yards on penalties to give Minnesota basically a free shot to go down in not only on your side of the field. But to go for the touchdown, that is where I'm upset with the Jets, with the special teams, and then of course the first play of the Vikings possession after taking down your man. It also is a 15-yard penalty for basically leading with the crown of your helmet to initiate the tackle.
0: And it's funny about this Jets team this year because when they win games, it seems to be collectively. It's offense, clicking, defense, special teams. And the same can be said for their losses. It just seems like they come apart on the seams. It's it's boneheaded penalties. It's poor special teams play. It's poor fundamentals. And Aaron throws by the quarterback and missed missed opportunities by the defense. And it's, it was a collective effort from that standpoint. And I know you were upset and frustrated with the start of the game. I was disgusted at the end of the game with about a little less than a minute and a half left in the game. Robbie Anderson, look, you know, I'm going to say that I think the Vikings secondary got the benefit of the doubt as far as the penalty flags are concerned from the officials. Because I thought the Vikings defenders were holding and pushing and shoving and playing physical with the Jets receivers at the point of attack. And that was part of Mike Zimmer's plan and it worked to perfection, but they probably pushed that uh, envelope a little bit far and over the line to the point where those could have been borderline, if not penalties, at least, uh, you know, legal contact for five yards. And when Robbie Anderson was looked to be held by the defender, stretched out for the catch in the end zone, could not complete it, and he didn't see a flag, he completely lost it. And I, I was just disgusted by the fact And Robbie Anderson said after the game that he didn't intend to throw it at the official, that it was just frustration. And uh, they asked him if he apologized to the official on the field, which he did not. He said, I'm apologizing now. And it just was another example of, look, frustration boiling over. Anderson, he was a guy that was targeted 11 times in this game, only had three receptions. If anything, he has nobody to blame but himself for a lot of missed opportunities and for him to take aim at an official that, you know, again, I'm not going to say they're guiltless because I thought the officiating was definitely in the favor of the Vikings. It didn't, didn't determine the outcome of this game because the Jets sealed their own fate with a sloppy play and the mistakes. But for Anderson to make a mockery of himself by throwing the ball at the official to get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that basically negated any scoring chance and just reflect reflect poorly on the organization, especially after he has a track record of doing stupid things off the field, that, to me, was just really the nail in the Jets' coffin to see Robbie Anderson lose his cool in that moment. Because when you're the supposed top playmaker on the offense and possibly a leader on this team, leaders don't do that kind of thing. And we've seen this in Jets' losses where they, some of the frustration boils over and they commit these really boneheaded penalties. And if you're Todd Bowles and his staff, uh, they have to find a, a way to put an end to it because, again, uh, it's just uh, foolish, it's stupid, and it makes – the whole team uh, look like they're undisciplined and lacking any sort of self-control.
1: I agree with you, Rick, and that's the one thing that, you know, these, Robbie Anderson is still a young player. Every player on this team, some veterans, but the majority are young players still. And you're going to learn to – you're going to have to keep your frustration down to a minimum because you can't lose your cool like that. You cannot lose your cool and then put your team uh, more behind the eight ball than you already are. They, they lost this game by 20 points, obviously. But, you know, the truth is is that you know that first half wasn't bad. The first half was not bad at all. You go into the locker room down by three at halftime – You know what you've done? You've put yourself in a situation where, okay, make some adjustments. Let's re-attack the situation. You're starting off with the ball to start the second half. You're only down by three, and then you go and you attack. And then, unfortunately, where they've had poor first halves and great second halves, the Jets had a decent first half, but they really fell apart in the second half, and you cannot have that. Even though it's still a young team, Rick, once again, This cannot happen when you are only down by a field goal.
0: And even to end that first half, of course, where you had Dan Bailey missing on that 40-plus-yard field goal, that you thought this was going to give the Jets all the momentum in the world, down by three points, receiving the ball to start the second half. And then in that third quarter, they got a terrific return from Darrell Roberts, who brought the ball into Vikings territory. And the Jets squandered an opportunity, didn't score left points off the board, and, you know, it's just the old uh, adage where you keep playing with fire, eventually you're going to get burned. How many times can the Jets squander opportunities in plus territory, make costly interceptions like Sam Darnold did, trying to sling a perfect throw into a, a tight window? I just felt like if the Jets tightened up some of that game plan they had in the first half, that they took care of the football, they made some minor adjustments and, and tried to get – Jermaine Kearse involved in the offense, whether that be a bubble screen, whether it be a wide receiver reverse, there had to be some unforeseen play that Jeremy Bates drew up to try to change the momentum in that game. And I felt like that's all that they needed was a half-back pass toss, maybe for 30 yards to, to get the crowd back involved, get the Jets into field goal territory and potentially tie or take the lead. And that is – literally the razor-thin margin between the Jets losing this game, going away 37-17, and potentially being in a dogfight in that fourth quarter. And, again, you know, I do put it on Sam Darnold and the offense. I thought this was Darnold's worst performance as a pro. I think this is arguably – I thought the Jaguars, when they played the Jets, that was the toughest defense he would face all year. But this Vikings defense was swarming all over the place. They were putting pressure on him left and right. The secondary was not letting any of the Jets receivers get free releases or any separation whatsoever. Uh, I mean, there was one time I could recall Robbie Anderson getting behind the defense and Darnold overthrew him by a couple of yards. But aside from that, I mean, this was a uh, skin-tight defense by that Viking secondary. There weren't many opportunities for Darnold to make plays in the passing game, but I felt like that was... Onus should have been on the coaching staff for them to find inventive ways to move the ball fall, ball downfield because we've seen time and time again when things get tight and the Jets' offense is looking for answers and maybe they're getting a little impatient and Sam Darnold wants to make some plays, he makes some throws that you probably would want back upon reviewing the film and seeing what you could see now with a second look at it. He'd probably tuck that ball down and potentially run with it for a yard or two or maybe throw the ball out of bounds because – that those kind of throws that Darnold made, even even Todd Bowles said they were inexcusable. They were poor reads. They shouldn't have made the throw. But if you're Jeremy Bates and the offensive coaching staff, you, you got to put him in positions to succeed. And I felt like in that second half, the Jets were more in panic and desperation mode than just trying to go through the motions and run their offense to the best of their ability.
1: You know, I want to take a break from the Jets for a second. I want to talk about this uh, wide receiver who's just come out of the blue for – Uh, The Minnesota Vikings, Adam Phelan, seven straight games over 100 yards receiving. He's tied a record that was held. I forget the gentleman's name from the former Houston Oilers. But still, though, um, this guy is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, to be on the practice squad and to just come out of nowhere to get signed to the team and he is having a hell of a rookie year. You know, NFC Rookie of the Year award winner right now. You might as well just hand it over to Adam Thalen, uh, who has just been phenomenal for the Vikings. I mean, he was covered very well on his touchdown grab. Covered very, very well. But you got to give credit to Kirk Cousins. Dropped that ball, threw that ball in a perfect position, perfect place to get the opening score. Um I mean, look, Rick, I think the Jets have, t- at times have had, you know, uh, luck of their own. You can always go back to Wayne Krebet, you know, going when they used to be over in Hempstead, Long Island, their practice facility on the campus of Hofstra University. Wayne Krebet playing college football for uh, the Hofstra Lions. And then he just has to cross over the main street to get to the Jets practice facility. Uh, you know, that's, that's one success story the Jets have had when you've got a guy who just comes out of nowhere and becomes an automatic star in the National Football League. Phelan is that right there.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Thielen, of course, now in his second year, he he was a major contributor and a reason for why the Vikings made that NFC Championship game. And you're seeing a lot of that magic that we saw last year with Case Keenum at quarterback and people trying to anoint him as the next uh, up-and-coming franchise-caliber player after being a well-traveled veteran for the first couple of years of his career, well, you're seeing how things have just spiraled out of control and he's in a downward spiral with the Broncos with a new supporting cast and how Kirk Cousins, first season, of course, signed a mega contract to be the signal caller of the future with the Vikings, and he stepped in seamlessly into this offense with Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, I mean, you name it, Lamont, uh, Murray as well, I mean, they have done an unbelievable job of – building this Vikings roster from the ground up and surrounding Kirk Cousins with incredible talent. I mean, I think Thielen, you know, if people haven't discovered and realized that this guy's a top five receiver in the league, I think now they will. That's how dangerous he is, and that's how he basically burnt uh, Maurice Claiborne, I believe it was, or uh, Daryl Roberts. Um, uh, was it Maurice Claiborne? Or Dar- I I forget who it was, but he burned him on that opening drive for the
1: touchdown. Yep.
0: And That, you know, just set the tone for the rest of the game. The Jets now had that in the back of their minds that they could be beat over the top, that they had to account for him and his lightning speed and quickness. And, you know, he does so much after the catch as well in the open field. He's just an absolute nightmare to bring down. And I guess the only thing that's a positive for Jet fans is I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon because – I can't imagine how horrific it would be for the Jets to try to cover him with Tom Brady throwing the ball with the New England Patriots because he is the perfect type of prototypical Patriots receiver. And luckily for Jet fans and luckily for the Vikings, I don't see him changing conferences or changing teams anytime soon because Adam Thielen is going to be a name for the next five, six years that's going to be atop the wide receiver rankings and a pro bowler year in and year out.
1: And that is actually Terrence Brooks, Rick. Terrence Brooks covered Thalen. Terrence Brooks, yes. Terrence Brooks. He covered Thalen very, very well. It's just ball was perfectly thrown, dropped in the bucket where Thalen can grab it and corral it inside the end zone. Nothing much more you can do there, but still, though, um, it's just been tough. And, you know, once again, look, the Vikings are a very, very tough team. They're a very, very tough team, and there's nothing you can do about it. And all you can say... Is that the you know the Vikings? They're one of the favorites to get to the uh, you know to get to the Super Bowl this year out of the NFC. We'll see what happens then. But you know, Andre Roberts, who has been great on special teams, he had a great punt return, kick return that got into the Vikings just into their side of the field, just over the fifty-yard line, and they, like you said. They wasted that opportunity. The Jets wasted that opportunity. They should have done better with it. They didn't do anything good today. I mean, the first half was much better than the second half. Darnold, numbers are not that great, unfortunately, for Sam Darnold on this one. Completed 17 out of 42 attempts for 206 yards. The throwing touchdown to uh, tight end Chris Herndon for the 12-yarder, you know, Picked off three times, sacked three times. Uh, His quarterback rating is probably the lowest he's had uh, since starting his rookie year. But here's the one thing we all have to understand, Rick. And while this is not completely on – the fault is not on the shoulders of Sam Darnold. We all know this. He's a rookie quarterback. We're not trying to excuse it. We admit he had a horrible game. But at least he knows that there's another game next week. Get ready to move on get ready for the road game at the Chicago Bears, and hopefully for the Jets as a whole, hopefully there'll be some players coming back from injury that the New York Jets can go and get ready for Chicago. And we all know how big of a disadvantage Soldier Field can be if you're a visiting team that's not from the NFC North.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, the Jets, in the same way they had to account for Von Miller with the Broncos, I mean, they're going to have to have a similar game plan as far as two and three tight end sets, full house backfield. I mean, that guy is a one-man wrecking crew. And the offensive line, this was not their best day whatsoever. I think Darnold was flushed and flustered inside the pocket, and it didn't look like they got much going in the running game, although I was at least happy to see that they stuck with it in the second half, even though throughout four quarters they didn't have much success. And it looked like Crowell was still not 100% healthy, But, look, not all hope is lost, three and four. You're now two games back in the division of the New England Patriots. And, frankly, you know, you're right in the thick of the AFC wild card chase. I don't think anybody expected that after seven or eight weeks. So the longer the Jets can tread water, stay at least in the mix, I think that's going to engage the fan base and give us – some reason for optimism because again, I think the fashion that the Jets lost this game, because of all the penalties, the miscues, the turnovers, I think that's what leaves a bitter taste in Jet fans' mouth. If you know Kirk Cousins threw for 350 yards and he picked apart Terrence Brooks and Doug Middleton and uh, you know all the backup uh, Perry Nickerson, all the guys that were filling in for Buster Screen and Tremaine Johnson, then you might be able to lay your head on the pillow at night, sleep a little more soundly, knowing that. You know, basically the Vikings just attacked a shorthanded secondary, and the Jets had no uh, recourse or no action to, to take care of that, to combat it. But the fact is, the Jets really sealed their own fate by making mistakes in this game. And the Vikings, you got to tip their tip your cap and just give them all the credit in the world. And that's what Todd Bowles did following the game. And one player who did not show any class or any dignity. And to me, this wasn't a surprise. I know you had mentioned there may be a possible return but whatever possible return or slight uh, slight little window there was for an opportunity for him to come back was basically just shut on Sunday with his postgame comments, and that's Sheldon Richardson, who basically said that he thought Sam Darnold looked flustered, he said he didn't look comfortable in the cold weather, that he looked like a, a warm-weather quarterback, and he also took a couple jabs at the Jets fan base saying, oh, the Jets don't, the fans don't travel well, he was happy to see the Vikings travel well, he saw a lot of purple in the stands, so he did all these things to kind of, uh, you know, twist the knife, so to speak, in Jet fans' uh, stomach, because he knew that uh, this this Vikings team was obviously had the upper hand, Richardson had only two tackles in this game, he didn't have an immense impact, no quarterback sacks, no hurries, no quarterback hits. So for me, that pretty much sealed the deal for Sheldon Richardson on any possible return by him uh, taking shots at both the Jets, his former teammates, and the fan base when he was completely unprovoked instead of handling the victory with at least some class and some dignity.
1: You know, I, I thought Sheldon Richardson grew up. I, I really thought he was Sheldon Richardson, the team that drafted him, that gave him his chance in the National Football League to begin, It really has been very disappointing to see those comments made by him. I'm very sad that he had to make those comments. Uh, You know, Jets never – Jets fans – was it uh, their fans travel well? Well, that's because half of the Minnesota fans that were at MetLife Stadium work and live in New York City and northern New Jersey. Minnesotans can travel to do a job of their – whatever they need to do, Rick – it's just been unbelievable, unbelievable that Sheldon Richardson had to say that where jet fans are known to travel, you know I mean it it's just really a shame, just a shame yeah for, yep go ahead and go it ahead, sounds Rick.
0: like bitter it just sounds like bitter grapes. You know, sour grapes to me I mean, he's just a player unhappy with his time with the Jets And he has no one to blame but himself And look, he understands this is a rebuilding Jets team And there are so many loyal Jet fans I know personally, I hear them on the radio waves With Ira, who goes to every home and away game I mean, there are so many dedicated Jet fans out there Despite being starved for a Super Bowl for 50 years now And for Sheldon Richardson to basically call out the Jets fan base take shots at their young and promising quarterback of the future. I mean, that just tells me that, you know, he is just in a very bad place maturity-wise, that, you know, he's not happy with where his career his track is on. And, again, he is, he can't blame the Jets. They tried to set him up in every position to succeed, and he squandered a golden opportunity. So if you're a Jet fan, you can't take his comments to heart. You have to understand that, look, he just uh, he found an opportunity when the fan base was vulnerable right after a loss when he, probably he was emotional, Jet fans were emotional, and he tried to stir the pot, so to speak. But I have a feeling there are going to be a lot brighter times ahead for the Jets and for their fan base with Sam Darnold at quarterback. And, you know, Sheldon Richardson, he keeps up this, this act with the Vikings. He was one and done in Seattle. He very well could be one and done with the Vikings if he doesn't produce – and he could be on the, the couch just like the rest of us watching these games in a year or two if he doesn't get his get himself together, get his head in the game, and stop worrying so much about other teams' fan bases more than he's worrying about his own play on the field.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Because he should be lucky that he's not out of the NFL. He should be lucky that no other team wanted to take a chance on him. I was willing to have him come back if the Jets ever... Unbelievable. Unbelievable what he did. I'm just not happy about it. Now I don't even want the Jets to even bother bringing him back. You're going to make these stupid comments after a game? I mean, give me a break. Sam Darnold is a rookie quarterback, for God's sake. So what if he was a a warm-weather quarterback? You know how many warm-weather quarterbacks are playing in in cold-weather cities? Carson Palmer over at Cincinnati. Mark Sanchez, who is here for the New York Jets, also for the Philadelphia Eagles as a backup quarterback? Dallas Cowboys, at times, got to play cold-weather games. I mean, give me a break. How stupid can you be? It's just unbelievable what Sheldon Richardson has done. But you know what, Rick? Once again, let me just say this. All I can say is... All I all can just say is this. Is that this New York Jets team is... In my opinion, they're on the right track. They've got some good, young, talented players... It's going to take another year or two to get all this talent on the same page. But as of right now, there are positives. The loss was terrible, but at the same time, you and I said this before, Rick, in our preview show. This is going to be a tough game. The defense was going to be the big component here to try and keep the Vikings off the scoreboard. Sadly, the offense didn't do enough. And the defense fell apart in the second half. Everybody fell apart in the second half. They tried their best. It didn't work. You move on, and now you got to get ready for Chicago this, uh, for this upcoming Week 8. And we'll see what happens there. But let me also reiterate what we said as well, Rick. If the, Jets will, if the Jets would have won this game, I would have been ecstatic. But if the Jets lost this game, which they did, I'm not that disappointed at their 3-4 and four record. I'm not. While it's tough to be below 500 again, if you see what they have done these past six games before last week's game against Minnesota, this was you're feeling great, you're not feeling so great, but you know what? You're content somewhat because you could be the Giants right now. You could be 1-5 in the division. And even though they're playing Monday Night Football in Atlanta, the truth is who's in a better position right now?
0: The the Jets, without question, exactly, absolutely. Yeah, and the I, New
1: York Jets are in a much better position than the Giants are right now. You can go ahead, Rick.
0: No, yeah, I mean, without question. I mean, you look at the Giants, one and five, staring a possible one and six start it's directly in the face of the game against the Atlanta Falcons, who basically their season is on the line as well. And I, I do expect the Giants to continue in this downward spiral, and I don't think it's going to be a very happy divorce between Eli Manning and the New York Giants. I think a lot of people forget that Eli Manning has a no trade clause in his contract. So a lot of people saying, Oh, they can just trade him to Jacksonville or trade him to Tampa Bay or this or that. He has to approve any trades. I don't see that situation changing anytime soon this year, at least. And I expect it to be an ugly fallout in the off season. And ultimately he does accept a trade elsewhere or a release but if you're the Jets and you're starting a franchise today, do you want a, a beaten down mentally and physically Eli Manning that's at the end of his ropes? Or do you want a Sam Darnold that has all the promise and future in the world with a roster that now has $90 million to spend in the offseason? I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. So, for me, again, I, I felt like this game, the Jets were due to lose it. There's no surprise there. And with the team being at 3-4, and four, they were, of course, 3-3 three and three entering the year. This year has such a different feel than last year, even though the, the records were identical. The Jets were three and three through six weeks. They were three and four after their Week Seven game, and to me, even though the records remain the same, this year has so much more promise and hope and uh, ability to give you renewed sense of optimism for the future, just because of you're seeing the pieces start to come together. Look, when you had Josh McCown at quarterback. Everything was great. You thought the team would win one or two games. They surprised a lot of people by going three and two, eventually, of course, only winning five games after McHale went down due to injury. But now that they have a quarterback to call their own for the next 10, 12, 15 years, this is a very encouraging sign that you have a rookie quarterback that's able to play in these games. Look, to start the year, he played in a game, three games in the span of 11 days, and, of course, the Jets went one and two in those contests. That, that to me is a small accomplishment in and of itself that he had a quarterback start from day one, show that the, the limelight wasn't too bright for him, the stage wasn't too big, and the Jets this year is not about wins and losses, but I think Jet fans would like to see some of the wins pile up and the team at least stay around the 500 mark. If they can do that and Sam Darnell can continue to stay the course and not lose confidence and play well within the system, that's good enough for me and I think that's good enough for the rest of this Jet fan base to be ready for 2019 and for this team to make that final next big step towards becoming a playoff caliber squad.
1: Absolutely, Rick. And we're going to have to wait and see what's going to happen next week as we'll preview week eight this coming Friday here on the Jets podcast preview show on 247sports.com. But that'll do it for us today on the review show as the New York Jets fall to the Minnesota Vikings by final of 37-17. to 17. And the New York Jets are now down to their record of three and four. So this has been the Jets podcast review show. Once again, the New York Jets, I've fallen to the Minnesota Vikings by final of 34 to 24 along with Rick Lachlan. I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Join us again next time. Once again, here on the Jets podcast on 24, seven sports.com through BlockTalkRadio.com. We'll talk to you guys next time on Friday. Talk to you later. And bye-bye for now.